the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Rob Black and your money and your money. Now, now, here's, here's Rob Black. To Rob Black and your money, the radio show. Friday's edition, January 28, 2011. Basically, the month of 2011, or first month of January 2011 is gone. It's been a good month on Wall Street. It's been a month where we continue to rally, and sometimes we're not exactly sure why we're rallying, but we continue to rally. So we work with that. Taking a quick look at the market, barring any major setback, the S&P 500 today will close the month with its eighth weekly gain in nine weeks. And the question on most people's mind is, will the S&P 500 close the week above or below the 1300 level? Helping today, fourth quarter GDP outpaces third quarter GDP, but not by as much as some people had expected. So we got fourth quarter GDP numbers out there to deal with. Earnings continue to do little for the broad market. We're seeing some stunners and we're seeing some upsets, but not enough to really move the needle, so to speak. Overseas market, very mixed trade. So we can't gauge a lot right now on what we're seeing internationally. We can't gauge a lot on what we're seeing in the U.S. on earnings. And that's, you know, you want to be able to base things off earnings. You just can't right now. So let's talk a little uh, stock market. Let's talk about what to expect for the rest of the day. I think that's probably the easiest way to go about this, huh? So good week on Wall Street. Good month on Wall Street. Typically the month of January. As January goes, so goes the year. Now, sometimes that's a little bit on the bogus side in large part because people will start the year, I'm going to max out my 401k. People start the year, I'm going to do more savings. And then a little bit into the year, it doesn't exactly go that way. So there could be some softness. There could be some some irregularities for sure. So 1300 on the S&P 500 is bigger to me than 12000 on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Microsoft, Amazon, Ford, they all reported earnings. Ford was disappointing. Amazon, holy mackerel, are they priced for perfection. And Microsoft, people just don't seem to care about it. It's almost as if they're too big. I talked about them yesterday on my podcast at Apple iTunes. I did it probably about 12 in the afternoon, you know, middle of the day. I talked about how with a market cap of $250 billion, it's tough for them to impress Wall Street. It's tough for them to do anything. I would love to see them broken up on their terms. Split out the Xbox, split out Office, split out Windows, split out a business versus consumer division. For instance, if you split out the business division right now, it's rocking and rolling. If you split out the consumer division, well, for the Kinect and the Xbox 360, it's doing great. But, and here's the big but, but for other parts, not doing so great. Uh, the consumer is losing interest in Microsoft's operating system slowly, but it's gaining interest fast in uh, new sexy technologies like the iPad. And again, the iPad's not better than a, a, an established notebook, but it's sexier. And sometimes that's all you need to succeed is the perceived it's better. So there's offsets today to the reports that are coming out on the Amazons and the Microsofts and the weak consumer PC growth. Ford missed by 18 cents. So there's some negatives, right? Microsoft should strengthen its office. Amazon's investing in its expansion for their fulfillment centers to meet growing demand in a more efficient manner. I looked at Amazon.com in one year. They've acquired Soap.com. They've acquired Diapers.com. They've increased their uh, fulfillment centers. Uh, a couple years ago, they bought a shoe company. They're really not the same old Amazon.com that we used to know. 
And on top of that, they're selling the Kindle and eBooks and eBook uh, downloads. They're doing a pretty good job. It's interesting to note they're run by their their founder Jeff Bezos. I think you're starting to see now that some of these tech companies are better run by their founders. Why is Sergey Brin coming back to uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page? Why you know Yahoo Carol Bart's not quite as good as Google bringing back their their founder. Apple with Steve Jobs, Oracle with Larry Ellison. Uh, ever since Bill Gates left, and even before Bill Gates left, at the end of his career at Microsoft, kind of lost some of the magic, but Lord knows there's new CEO not doing anything to get us to jump up and down. And he jumps up and down, but the market's not jumping up and down. To anything. I, I don't know. I, I'm totally digressing there, right? So Amazon's building out their fulfillment center. So even though they had a negative quarter, or they didn't have a negative quarter, they didn't have a glorious quarter. It's still okay. Ford took the high road in Europe, saying it wasn't going to chase market share with heavily discounted prices. Considerations could resonate more in the next year than they do in the current quarter. So, fourth quarter GDP. Now, if you add up GDP throughout the year, we're looking at typically somewhere between 2 to 4% is a normalized GDP kind of year. 2% GDP growth, gross domestic product growth in the United States is good. Okay. 4% is glorious. 4% pushes inflation. 2% starting to get on the side of deflation. So not enough activity. So we're at 3.2% GDP growth. But that was disappointing because we were expecting 3.7%. Keep in mind our government spending money like a drunken sailor to support GDP growth. Part of Obama's stimulus plan two years ago was to spread it out over two years, and this is it's starting to dry up now. So now you're going to start hearing about states not getting federal money. So that's going to hurt our GDP down the road. But right now, 3.2%, it's good. Now, the change in private inventories alone subtracted about 3.7 percentage points from GDP. So net exports, which added 3.44 percentage points to GDP, mitigated the drag from the inventory change. That number really stands out because it's the real final sales of domestic product excludes the change in inventories. So real final sales increased, increased a whopping 7.1%. So GDP, I'm going to tell you, was pretty damn good. It was a number one. It was a hot. It was good. And this is reflecting the underlying strength of the consumer spending that really picked up in the fourth quarter last year. And the fourth quarter GDP numbers were good. So it's the strongest since 1984 as far as real spending goes. Do you know what we were listening to back in 1984? Lionel Richie's song, Hello, is it me you're looking for? What was wrong with America? Seriously, what was wrong with America back in the 80s? So the strong GDP reports exactly what I'm looking for. And anytime GDP is growing at 2 to 4%, closer to 4%, stock markets can and will work. So I feel good. I'm not glorious. I'm not jumping up and down. I feel good. It's like I could do 25 push-ups. I'm good. And this is explaining why the market's playing with higher numbers. This is explains why the market continues to close higher eight straight weeks, basically on a roll since August. It's these GDP numbers where we know the stock market can support itself and do pretty well in. Separately today, we did get one more economic piece of data to chew on. Chomp, chomp, chomp. It's the employment cost index. It increased four-tenths of a percent. Employment cost index is one of those economic indicators that you don't need to know, but I do. And what I mean by that is I'm looking at inflation numbers. I'm looking at profitability for corporations. So if I find out that Google has to increase their pay 10% for all employees – Well, that's less money for their earnings. It means margins could come under attack. A company like an Intel, they sell millions and millions and millions of chips. For a nerd like me on spreadsheets, I'm looking at gross margins, and suddenly I'm tinkering 32.4 down to 32.3%, depending on employment cost index, best case and worst case scenarios. As an analyst, you always deal with best case and worst case scenarios. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. 
the employment cost index is a little higher than I than I want. You listen to Rob Black and your money. Rob Black and your money. You can call in the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Coming up, stock market news like Amazon, Microsoft, Ford. What did they actually report? I got... Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I do want to mention I do this radio show every day, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1220. I feel pretty blessed. I feel pretty pleased. I feel pretty lucky from my bosses, Craig, to my producers, Mark. Uh, some of the best people I've ever worked with in the industry. I enjoy working on a daily basis. I don't just say that to brown nose. I'm not much of a brown noser. Um, I'm enjoying it. it. It's a fun gig. I've got some people at the station now who are starting to to really get what I do. And uh, for instance, one of the things we're we're putting together is uh, speeches for me in low income areas, trying to get people motivated to start saving money versus spending their money. And it's a challenge, but I'm excited by that. Uh, my specialty is making money. My specialty is hitting home runs in stocks. My specialty is understanding tech companies better than anyone else on the planet. As an analyst, that's what I really, really pursue and, and, and angle after is getting tech. Like Riverbed Technologies, pretty damn good quarter. F5, awful quarter. They both sell very similar products, and they're both basically pushing the edge of the internet into uh, vi- through video, hardcore, saving companies money. Which quarter do I like more? Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I like a bad quarter if I don't own shares of the company. It gives me an entry point. Sometimes I like a quarter that's tough to understand because it gives me time to buy more while other people are trying to figure it out. So you listen to the show, I promise you'll get smarter. And that could be low income. That could be freshly married. I'll talk about things that you need to do. Best thing you can do, for instance, in your 20s, for instance, is, is stay in school and get a great degree. Get a degree that's going to pay you $10,000 more. $20,000 more per year, it adds up. You do that over 10 years, and that's, what, $200,000? You do that over 20 and 30 years, and you can see, wow, education's worth it. It's all that in a bucket of chicken. I get it now. So a couple of stocks that I want to hit last night, Amazon. They talked about their fulfillment centers at the end of the year. They're adding more this year. They added 13 last year, and they're expensive. And I order a lot. I order a lot from Amazon.com because I trust them. Now, I may sound like an old fuddy-duddy here when I say that, but they're the only company on the Internet that I let them keep my credit card. For the record, one of the things I do is I cancel my credit cards twice a year. So I don't want my credit cards out there for long periods of time. So I just report them missing. I report them lost. Bank sends me out two new ones. I know you're saying that's weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird, right? But it keeps me refreshed as far as uh, no long period of times of my, my numbers being out there. So Amazon's opening up more fulfillment centers. And I dig it. For instance, you know, I, I ordered some grass seed from Amazon. And it's about 20% cheaper than it is at Home Depot. And you don't pay tax on it. And it comes... Wow, like, holy mackerel. So I know that this weekend I got to do a little yard work. So I ordered, you know, a 10-pound bag of some grass seed and some fertilizer. Boom, there it is. I don't have to, like, I got grass. I don't have to, like, throw it out all new grass. I just got to patch some grass while, while the season is, is right for that. So I, I love that they're adding more fulfillment centers. If you have a baby, they got diapers.com, which they sell diapers below market cost. You can't get them that cheap at Safeway or CVS. Now, they also sell rattles, which have a huge markup on them, but... For the wise shopper, you can get diapers ordered delivered to you overnight. Not too shabby, right? So other stories of note out there on Amazon. One analyst is, is looking at it, and he's, he's downgrading the stock. So he's basically saying, taking a look, you know, their fulfillment costs. They're, they're, they're spending a little bit too much money. Short-term upside likely to be restrained and constrained. I don't disagree with that. I like that right now they're building out, they're protecting their fortress, so to speak. 
Will there be another Amazon.com in our lifetime? I don't think so. Will there be another Facebook in our lifetime? I do think so. So General Electric upgraded uh, today to buy. I bring this up in large part because General Electric is a big company. And a lot like Apple, they're good for our economy. When things are that good, from turbines to TVs to household appliances to power plants, I just bought a pizza oven from General Electric. It's a cool pizza oven. It's a Williams-Sonoma pizza oven, but it's a GE brand underneath that. And uh, the company produces aircraft engines, locomotives, kitchen, laundry, lighting, electrical distribution, control equipment, generators, turbines, medical imaging. <gasps> like, that's a lot. Plus, they're a preeminent financial services player, right? Plus, you know, their segments are energy, technology, infrastructure. If you listen to the president's speech the other night, what did he talk about? Energy, technology, and infrastructure. They're also NBC Universal, and they sold off a big chunk of that to Comcast, which I hate, but I think it was a wise move for GE. So GE gets a little love today. They get an upgrade today. Analysts saying it's a $26 stock, not a $20 stock. I think you can own GE and not get into a lot of trouble. You'll get a dividend play along the lines. You'll get $150 billion in revenue. You'll get operating margins of 9 to 10%. Nothing crazy, nothing super sexy. I, I Trust me, I can find better and smarter stocks for you to own. But if GE goes from 20 to 26, our market goes in the right direction. You following me? Capiche? You get it? Do you see why GE is so important? It is critical. So the analyst that's upgrading it today, basically higher equipment orders in the past three quarters. Trend continues to do to growing demand for healthcare imaging products, increased commercial aircraft. I'm digging it. There's a lot of fog out there today, and uh, you can go to Amazon.com and order a fog machine so that you get permanent fog <laughs> from GE, right? Okay, you're saying, that's a stretch, Rob. It's Friday, and you're exhausted. You did a seminar last night, and you're not funny. That's true enough. So coming up, I got some emails for you. You want to email me? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. Uh, phone number 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Coming up a little on some satellite stocks and a couple of your emails. Rob at robblack.com. Take a break here. We'll be right back on Rob Black and Your Money. Mr. Brightside. Love me the killers. Love the killers. How could that song not make you want to march around the room and talk about women? Fourth quarter GDP outpaces third quarter GDP, but by not as much as expected. That's in the news today. Earnings continue to do little for the broad market. So earnings season's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's marching along. It's showing us guidance. It's showing us profitability. It's showing us that we aren't dead. Long live America. And Wall Street's kind of like going, you know what? I'm kind of tired. Wall Street to me right now kind of looks like that that dad on the playground. His kid's still precocious and dad just isn't that precocious right now. Dad's looking tired. So we got the Dow down today. I'm okay with it. This is eight up weeks in a row. I'm that precocious. I'm that dad who's tired and on his knees right now. NASDAQ down 34. S&P 500 down 9. So if you bought in the last eight weeks, you're up. Unless you bought today. Or unless you're buying the wrong stuff. Which I am stunned how many people do on a regular basis. How many people try to buy things that they're just not good at buying. Interesting story out of Egypt that I'm going to hit maybe this break, maybe next break, maybe next hour. But what's happening right now in Egypt is street smart, internet smart, young Egyptians are pissed off. But let me say that again. Street smart, internet smart, young. Two thirds of Egypt's 80 million people are below the age of 30. Many of them have no jobs. 40% of Egyptians live on less than $2 a day. They can't even order a Starbucks latte. Ah, that sucks. 
I don't want the Egyptians living off $2 or less a day. If they want to manufacture my shoes, fine. If they want to, and I know you're saying, Rob, don't send any more of my jobs overseas. If they want to make bottle caps and sneakers and stuff that we don't want to do in America, fine. I don't want Egyptians living off $2 or less. I don't want 80 million people living off $2. Well, 40% of that. What's that, 35 million? I don't want 35 million people under the age of 30 living off two bucks a day. Because those are the people who go, you know what? I'll take a job as a terrorist. I'll take a job as screw you, America, and your $10 minimum wage. I don't want that. I want the world to create some some upright. I don't want the poor people in India. I want them to answer phone calls for Dell. I don't care if I call for my computer and go, I do, I do, I do, I don't care. I think it's a good thing. Let everyone work. That was my Rush Limbaugh moment, by the way. <laughs> That's my impression of India. You know how many languages are spoken in India? I believe over a thousand. That's nuts. Oh, good golly. Let's move forward, shall we? Okay. Um, Sears Satellite Radio is in the news. They just reported earnings. And they're heavily tied towards Ford and General Motors. It's a weird, weird concept. But as you buy a new vehicle, it automatically has got three months free of satellite radio in it. And then you can decide if you want to keep it or not. A lot of people fall in love with it and stick. Heavily tied towards car sales. Hanson Naturals in the news today. Analysts is raising their price target to 71 buckaroos, 71 clams. From 60, said business is well positioned. It's entering a period of balanced growth opportunities inside the United States. What's interesting to note about Hanson is in the world of investing, you got a choice between Coca Cola and Pepsi. Pepsi gives you the Doritos and the chips and the Gatorade, much more diversified snack food company. Coca Cola, more of a bullet shot into it. But Hanson Natural gives you energy drinks. It's got the Blue Sky Energy Drink. It's got a stable of alternative sodas, juices, and teas. They make the Monster brand uh, energy beverage. They got fruit juices. They got smoothies. They got dry juice mixes. They sell their product in grocery chains, wholesale clubs, distributors, food service operators. A friend of mine, Lana, the very sexy and beautiful Lana who runs the front desk at Salem, she said one of her friends is trying to give up Diet Pepsi, Diet Coke. And I was like, do they give up Red Bull too? Or like, are they giving up caffeine or are they giving up soda? And she's like, soda? So she's, their friend could probably do caffeine. And that's the play where Hanson comes in. Hanson comes in as we as a nation, we know that soda rots your teeth. We as a nation know that soda makes you fat. So we're looking for some alternatives. We're not quite sometimes ready for it, but... In the last three years, revenues at Hanson have gone from nine hundred million to one billion to one point one billion. I'll take that. That's slow and steady. That'll get the attention of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's got more money than they deserve to have. Pepsi's got more money than they deserve to have. And at some point in time they're gonna say, you know what? You little monster upstart snot picking booger kid, we're gonna buy you. I'm not telling you that's gonna happen, but it could happen. Cell gene today gets downgraded to hold. You know the sector that's having a tough time this year is biotech. I'm telling you, the stock market's up eight weeks in a row. Wee! But biotech's not doing so good. And even cell has got an improving pipeline. Um, an analyst is talking about, you know, a multiple on the stock and what it should be. They've got a drug called Revlimed, which accounts for 68% of sales. It's expected to uh, rise slightly over the next two years on that. Sales growth of 44% year over year for Celgene on Revlimed. But when does that start to decelerate? And when you're 68% of the company, your one product, you ain't got room for mess ups. So biotech's the toughest sector for me to analyze. It's the toughest sector for me to succeed in. Don't know why. I do know why. I don't know why. (laughs) I do know why. Walmart's in that Davos thing going on right now. It's tough for me to analyze biotech because I'm not a scientist. I don't know the market. You know, there's a company called Mucinex. There's a product called Mucinex, which takes snot out of your nose and lungs, right? I get that market 
I can understand that there's 275 million Americans who get colds and you could start doing the math and play with it on seasonal numbers and you can get it. I don't sometimes get like specialty cancer drugs. It, it's a lot tougher. And to know the competition is brutal. And to understand that you've got exclusive rights to sell that for 10 years. What do you do after that? Biotech is it's a trading vehicle. It's a great sector when the economy stinks because I'm coming up with a cure for cancer in a good economy or bad economy works. I'm coming up with a cure for balding in a good economy or bad economy works. You know, it's a nice statement to say. I've gotten old enough now that I got enough hair that I'm, I'm pleased. That's a nice statement to make as a man. So anyway, Walmart's in Davos. Davos, World Economic Forum going on. And I told you a little bit yesterday about how they're talking about how there's a big technological swing and they're seeing people are starting to price everything in internet time and how Walmart prices reflect that. One of the things that they're saying also today is they're talking about China where a rising middle class is, is fueling economic growth and domestic consumption. And Walmart says over the long run that may also help the United States Wow. And saying that United States made products are typically more expensive. But over that time, if consumption continues in China, they're going to be buying more U.S. made products. So Walmart's experiencing tight labor conditions in its Chinese operations or increases in wage costs. But that's also contributing to the increased spending power for the Chinese consumer. So Walmart has to pay people more. Yeah. Rate wages are rising there, but that means they're going to have more money to spend. Doug McMillan, he's CEO of Walmart International. He talked about Mexico, and the growth there is consistent across all the company's formats. In India, the company operates a joint venture with India's Bardi Enterprises. Uh, Walmart's hoping that the Indian government will relax investment restrictions soon. Walmart's in Russia, and it's primarily thinking about its entry into an acquisition. The giant retailers bought South African chain MassMart for $4 billion, moving forward in South Africa. Walmart's build-out is the earliest stage in development in some countries like India, but they've got some scale already in international. Walmart, their international work in the last, if I were to say from 1995 to 2005, stank. It was awful. They couldn't do international expansion well. But if I were to say in the last five years, they started to make some headwear. And congratulations to them on that. Listen to this craziness. Interest rates are now near record highs. 14.72% is the average rate on a credit card. You need to pay off any credit card debt over 8%. You need to pay off any debt over 8%. Your bookie's over 8%, pay off your bookie. Your credit card's over 8%, pay off your credit card. Your student loan over 8%, pay off your student loan. Your house over 8%, pay off your house. Any debt over 8% is evil. Listen to this, though. So the average rate is 14.72%. It could go as high as 59.9%. So you remember that the government, Obama, save us, cracked down on certain fees that credit cards could hit us with, made them disclose more. One thing they didn't do was cap interest rates. So new rules prevent banks from raising interest rates retroactively, but there's no limit on the, how rates can go for new customers or how high they can go. So annuals percentage rates have climbed more than 20% over the past two years and have hit an all-time high. America's getting screwed on credit card costs. And you know who to blame? Not the banks, the individual. The person who says, I'm going to live my life on credit at 14.78%. You are smoking crack cocaine. You are insane. Uh, insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I've got a couple emails that I'd like to get to this segment in large part. I'm easy to contact, Rob at robblack.com. My name's not Ron. My name's not Rod. It's Rob, R-O-B. Uh, it's actually Robert. My friends call me Robert. My enemies call me Rob. Uh, or maybe my frenemies call me Rob. Or maybe people in media call me Rob. I had a program director who's great wisdom. My very, very first radio show 15 plus years ago was called 2020 on Wall Street. And uh, later they're like, no, no, you're the brand. You got to go with Rob Black. And I'm like, yeah, my name's Robert and can't go stock talk with Robert Black. Robert slows you down. Get it? So they became Rob Black. It's faster. 
more liquid. Rolls off the tongue. So we got an email from Mikey. Mike says, I'm looking for a good internet bank. I already have ING and E trade. I need to find another one. And I've read a lot of complaints about internet banks. Got any recommendations? Oh, good God. Um, check out bankrate.com. And I don't know why you need so many internet banks if you have ING and E trade. What are you doing, Mike? Uh, are you so wealthy that you're trying to get FDIC insurance, SIPC insurance covered at all these? You know, a good internet bank is like a, a you can open up an account with a Vanguard or Fidelity. I, I don't know what you're really trying to do. You're trying to get high rates. If you're looking for the highest rate on internet banks, uh, considered Ally, you're formerly of General Motors. And yeah, internet banks kind of suck. And yeah, they do kind of, they're not smooth and they're not always easy because you have to have a regular bank to to fund the internet banks with and to get the, the, the transfers out of. It takes you a day, two days, three days, sometimes to settle. It's not instantaneous. PayPal is considered an internet bank, kind of. Maybe that's what you're looking for. But I'd check bankrate.com, Mike. Next one comes to us from Pat. I wonder if Pat's a man or a woman. He says, good morning, Rob. I have a question, questions for you. What happens to the stock market when the Fed stops bumping at $600 billion liquidity by June of this year? Does it crater or is it recovery on? Do I bail now while the getting's good? I, I, I do think there will be a transition in the market when the Fed says we're done. I think the bigger question is not when they stop with liquidity, with the quantitative easing too, where they're purchasing treasuries and, and debt. I think the bigger issue is when they start raising interest rates, what's that going to do to the economy? And what's the perception there? And will we ever be able to raise interest rates or will we be stuck in a cycle where it's very Jap- Japan-like of, please don't raise rates, otherwise we're going to punish you. So I'm not stressed by that. I know, Pat, you're looking for uh, when can I get out of the market perfectly? Right around then, absolutely, there will be a correction. Will it be down 60%? No. And if you think that, Pat, you are a fool. The market works over time. We've had two major bubbles in the last 10 years, the dot-com and then the housing. If we don't get bubbles again, you're looking at healthy stock markets for years and years to come. It's the bubbles that create the upside and the downside. And for some reason, people only remember the downside of bubbles. I will take the housing bubble and the pain that it's cost. I will take the dot-com bubble and the amount of money that was lost because I was on the other side of both of those. I made money in both those bubbles because I wasn't greedy. I love bacon. You know, I don't like raw bacon, but I love cooked bacon. What a big difference in product, huh? From start to uh, finish. Anyway, next email comes to us. And remember, you can always email me, Rob, at robblack.com. This one's a long one. Ed. He says, my wife and I are both self-employed and the past two years have been devastating to our business. To cover both living and business expenses, we incurred credit card debt of $87,000. We have a house in Foster City with an outstanding loan of $546,000 and a value at $720,000. We have an account with Waddle or Reed with $120,000 of which we can get $80,000 with no penalties. Is it better to sell the house and pay off the debt? Or use Waddle and Reed, which is supposed to be emergency retirement, to pay for credit card debt. Business outlook not so good. We're considering moving out of California and rebooting our lives. Trying to look for new jobs in a new city. Maybe Dallas, maybe Oklahoma City. I'm 46, wife is 45, daughter is 14, son is 10. Ooh. I'm not going to tell you to move out of the state, but certainly look. This is an expensive state to live in. As far as your $87,000 in debt, credit card debt, I would certainly start working with maybe consumer credit counseling right now. I would consider talking with a bankruptcy attorney based on how your jobs are going or not. I would not take money out of my retirement to pay off credit card debt. I know you're saying, Rob, that's very liberal of you. That's very Democrat of you. Why don't you step up to the plate like Glenn Beck and tell people to be a man and pay off their their credit card debt with assets that they have? Okay, people. Ed's going to be in a situation, one of two situations. He's going to have no money in retirement, and we're going to be paying for him in Social Security and and taxes, 
maybe he'll get a gun and go into a bank and shoot people. Or we could tell him now, take advantage of the laws and, and have the banks use it as write-off. There's no right answer. I would say do everything you can to cut up the credit cards and start paying them down immediately. I would look definitely into moving out of the state, but first find somewhere that you want to go. It's not such a bad thing, Ed. The world is a big place. The world is a great place. Um, I love parts of the United States. And yeah, I would consider moving because it is expensive here. And yeah, you do have some equity in the house, so you're not in an awful position. You're just not in a good position. I would consider bankruptcy if you qualify. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online, Rob at robblack.com, Rob at robblack.com. My Facebook group page is I Hate Rob Black. It's I Hate Rob Black. Coming up next hour, much like the first hour of Rob Black and Your Money, all about markets, money, retirement, and investing. Hour two, underway. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Today, January 28, 2011, fourth quarter GDP is a big story out there on the economic data front. It's outpacing third quarter GDP and fourth quarter of GDP happens to fall at Christmas time, so... We knew consumer spending was going to be good. The S&P 500 is failing to hold its ground today at 1300 even though fourth quarter GDP better than expected. Spending in fourth quarter GDP was really good. Earnings continue to do very little for the overall market. We're in earnings season and Wall Street's not paying attention. So they're priced in. Microsoft, Amazon, Ford, all in the news today. Ford. Probably the most disappointing out of the group, pulling all the automotive stocks down today and all the parts stocks down as well. Now, Ford basically just didn't chase revenue in Europe. It wasn't a bad quarter. They just didn't discount as much as some people maybe wanted them to. Interesting. And that's why you get beat up. That's why you're beating me up today. So let's talk a little... uh technicals. I think this is a good time to do it, as good of a time as any. When you're taking a look at the S&P 500, you've had very much so below average trading range, below average volume, but the S&P 500 is able to tack on gains for five sessions in a row. It hit a new multi-year intraday high yesterday. It hit closing highs near the highlighted short-term extension range of 1301 to 1302. These are technical indicators where the market should say, wow, we haven't been here in a while. This is a lot of fresh new money. Now, the S&P 500 today is down 11 bucks. It can't hit that 1301 and go higher. It's trying. Here's the beauty about that. Here's the beauty about technicals. Sometimes to break through the ceiling, sometimes to put in a floor, it takes time. And unfortunately, that's where technical analysis fails most people is they don't get that their your confirmation may come a week or two weeks after the fact. And that does me a little bit late, you know, a little bit. Why could you told me that earlier? So S&P 500 needs to get above that 1301, 1302 level. Upside momentum has slowed recently in the S&P 500. There's been some defensive rotation telling me that we're due for a correction. Small caps are not confirming. They're not moving higher. There's been a lengthy extension on the S&P 500, but really no big selling pressure, really no big blowout. Now, you could do the same exact thing on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the doji. So when you take a look at the last couple of days, it implies a loss of momentum. It's trying to get higher, but it can't, and there's no selling pressure whatsoever so it's just losing momentum so today if we were to get a big whoosh down i'd be pretty good with it russell 2000 also playing with new highs but 794 to 800 seems to be the area that it needs to put in some work let's talk about what i just said put in some work sideways is to me work on wall street it's jumping rope it's 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 hitting the body bag 
I like sideways days. I like down days followed by sideways days. I want to see that people aren't going to sell it below here. Got it? That's the whole idea for me. I want to see that. Now, if we go up every day and down every day and up every day and down every day, we don't really get much of a floor. We don't get much of a where are people not willing to go. Over time, you can kind of see it because you'd see it in the parabolic levels. Ooh, one of the big stories out there today, clearly earnings, and we'll talk a little bit about some of that, but food prices is a big story this year. Huge story. When you're seeing people in Egypt angry at their government, they make $2 a day, they're not eating filet. They're not eating well. Grain prices should stay unrelentingly high this year. The latest sign that the era of cheap food may have come to an end. Corn, soybeans, and wheat, which surged as much as 50% last year and hit their highest level since mid-2008, will dip, but they'll still be nagginally high. JetBlue yesterday said, you know, price of oil's gone up to the point that we're raising prices. Same, same concept. Oil goes higher. Airlines go higher in fees and cost you and me. Cost of food, soybeans, corn, and wheat go higher. Cost of cereal goes higher. Grain prices remain below their historic high of 2008, but they could remain stronger for longer this year. There's increased competition amongst crops for land. There's depleted grain bins around the world. Even if you have a good year, you're not going to have the inventories that we've seen before. So the inventories are low. You might remember this summer there was a drought in Russia, which led to a suspension of grain exports. There were rains in Australia, which downgraded the quality of its wheat crop. There was a lack of rain in Argentina, which cut in their output. China bought near records of volume of corn from the United States, and demand for corn-based ethanol surged. Damn you, bad energy policy. So it all points to higher costs. We're going to be paying more at the grocery store. For North African countries like Algeria, to the rush to import grains, particularly in the last two weeks, has been fueled by concerns on how do you reduce the anger amongst the people. Isn't that hilarious? It's not hilarious. It's almost sad that around the world right now, you've got people who are mad in Tunisia. People are mad in 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 Egypt, and all we got to do to make them happy is put food in their bellies. With stepped-up demand from North Africa and Middle East whittling away global wheat stocks, there's no room for error. I think we're going to see the new rich be farmers for a while. I think it's a story that it continues to play. you got to get some investments in food in your portfolio. Whether it's the companies that do soybeans, whether it's the companies that do fertilizer, whether it's the companies that process the food or deliver the food, you got to get some in there. The inflation is going to make the profits higher. Dow's down 72, NASDAQ down 40, S&P 500 down 11. It's a down day. It's not Aloha Friday. Well, it is Aloha Friday. No work till Monday. But it's not a happy-go-lucky kind of day. Clashes erupted in Egypt today. They've shut down their stock market. Rally points across the city of 17 million. One woman has died. Anti-government demonstrations started January 25th. They've taken to the streets. They've used things like Facebook and the internet to say, look, where do you guys, where do you guys want to amass? The country has gone to ruin fast. Everything is expensive. How do people get married? How do people get an education? How do people set up a household if there's so few jobs? Now, Egypt is an ally of the United States, and Mubarak in particular. He hasn't publicly said whether he'll run for election this year. He's 82 years old. He's been in power since 81. Uh, opposition to him uh, is pretty heavy. Al Jazeera has reported that you know some of his opposition has been detained there's more arrest going on 
Hillary Clinton's getting involved. So Egypt's turning into a little bit of a problem. I don't know how big it can get or not. I don't know the effects on the economy or not. Um, I'll, I'll try to find some for you. I mean, I could tell you, for instance, how much spending they do. And they're a huge importer of wheat. If you've ever been to Egypt, they, they don't got... They don't got healthy farming land going on. It's Rob Black and your money coming up. More on the stock market, more on investings, and another email. Rob at robblack.com. So I try to make myself pretty easy to get a hold of. Rob at robblack.com. And I think Fridays are going to be my kind of relaxed day. Yes, I will look at the markets. Yes, I will keep you in touch if anything big happens. Stocks are sliding after your GDP report, which was pretty good. The headline was a little weaker than expected, but some of the internals showed higher spending, which is going to equal better economy. Egyptian concerns are starting to brew inside the stock market as well. Gold looks like it's starting to shift to get weak. Dow's down 63, NASDAQ's down 36, S&P 500 down 10. We've had a glorious eight-week run. We've had a glorious first month. It's not so bad, right? I just got an email because I'm easy to get a hold of. Rob at robblack.com. And this one comes from Mo. Hey, Mo! Says, need your advice. I'm 48 years old. I've been unemployed the past two years. I've drained my 401k, my IRA, my savings due to divorce and other issues. Now I'm going to be starting a new job that pays $120,000 annually. Starting all over again. Planning to work until I'm 70 years of age. What should I be doing from now on until then to build a nest egg? Start with a budget. Figure out what you're spending. In theory, if you're getting $120,000 a year, let's just say that's $10,000 a month. You should be saving at least 20% of your $120,000. So you're 48... By the time you're 60, if you're saving 25000 a year, you'll have a quarter of a million dollars. Can you do it? Can you really do it is the question. You got to step up to the plate. You got to stop going on expensive anythings. So tonight, if you take yourself on an expensive day and watch a little cable TV, cancel cable. Go buy a device like a Roku and start watching. Go get a, a wireless antenna for your TV. Cut cable. You have to do it. You have to. 48 years old, no 401k, no savings due to divorce. Now, do people understand why I say divorce is an important issue to understand as an investor? So get a budget. Start saving $25,000 a year if you can't do it. Find that twenty five thousand. You have to. Twenty thousand's a lot and it'll get you there, but you need at least a quarter of a million dollars by the time you retire. And that that's the numbers you're on. You don't have the time for the market to double for you anymore. It will probably. But you gotta take that type of you gotta take that type of assumption away from yourself and force yourself to save more. So uh, what else would I do if I were your age? I would uh, plan to work as long as I can. I would look for a second career in retirement. That may mean something like working at Home Depot. If you're a man and you know how to lay floor, maybe put an ad in your Craigslist and say, I know how to lay flooring. And uh, you keep some cash flow coming in because you're not going to have enough of a nest egg to last you till the day you die. So now you want to cut down on your, your spending. If you're not healthy, I'd get healthy because you can't afford to miss any time due to, due to health reasons at work. And also healthy is cheap. Healthy is it's, – it's good on the budget so to speak. Let's move forward. Let's take a look at some of the other stories that are out there today. So Egypt, big story today. Uh, what's going to happen? Probably going to get pretty dramatic over the weekend. Taco Bell has been in the news recently. And you remember the Yokiero Chihuahua? The Yokiero Chihuahua. Um, do you remember the Where's the Beef lady with Wendy's? Fantastic ad campaign. Well, people are now starting to go, Where's the Beef to Taco Bell? Taco Bell's 
just mad. There's a lawsuit that's alleged that it's beef isn't beef. <laughs> and it actually has got filler in it and things that you don't want to know about. So they take this seriously. Their reputation is being tarnished in their opinion. It's 88% beef and 12% secret recipe. So when you go to Taco Bell, the beef is 12% secret recipe. Did you know that? Based on tests, Taco Bell's beef is actually less than 35% beef. What the hell is it? Where's the beef people want to know? They add water to it. They mix in some spices, some chili peppers, some onion powder, some tomato powder, some sugar, some garlic pepper, some cocoa powder. They add oats, oats, yeast, citric acid, and other ingredients that provide flavor and moisture and consistency. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, the company is tied towards a publicly traded company, Yum Brands. And I don't know if people care if their beef is beef or not because those those of you who are running to, for a midnight taco – not exactly the finest connoisseurs in the world eating at Taco Bell in the first place. Like, again, I don't know, want to know what percentage of Chicken McNuggets are beak. But at some point in time, someone's going to make me find out. Microsoft. Um, interesting. Listen to their conference call. They said PC sales are going to outperform consumer sales. Corporate PC. I don't think that's enough data in and of itself to say, okay, let's think corporate technology stocks like Salesforce.com or Oracle. Microsoft is encouraged by the early progress that they've got with the Windows 7 phone. That's almost laughable, isn't it? I don't think anyone truly believes that. Bing's market share continues to grow. They're at 12% for the quarter. Office 365 and Office 2010 is a successful product for them, so they say. Coming up, I'm going to look at Qualcomm. Interesting tech company. Where does it go from here? Maybe more of your emails, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. My Facebook group page is I Hate Rob Black. I'll take a look at that during the break. Talk to you right after a couple commercials. My Facebook page, I Hate Rob Black. It's a group page. Basically, it allows you and 1,500 other people to basically comment on the stock market or the economy or the show. Not a lot going on. Uh, great job as usual. I don't take praise well. This one says, uh, hey, Rob, I'm glad to listen to you on my radio on my commute through traffic. I attended one of your seminars with Chad Burton years ago. You opened up if you drive, own a BMW, you're broke. I love it. Laugh out loud. Now, again, some people could afford BMW. Some people can't. Some people could afford million-dollar homes. Some people can't. Wage inflation comes with corporate profits. Corporate profits drive economies. Economies drive stock markets. Wage inflation drives home prices. High unemployment doesn't really drive wage inflation. It's one of the things we're dealing with. You can drive me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Don't be shy. Uh, anything that you want to talk about, we can and will talk about. For instance, Facebook. Here's a company that we all understand. Mark Zuckerberg, if you've seen the social network, it makes him look like a scheming, crafty little thief. The question is, is the company worth $50 billion or not? Goldman Sachs recently estimated the company was worth $50 billion. There's concern that there's some bubble forming in the tech sector. If you go back and Google 1998 Super Bowl commercials, you're going to see a lot of those tech companies no longer there. 69% of investors think that Facebook's overvalued after Goldman Sachs invested $450 million in a deal that put the company's worth $50 billion. Only 10% of respondents think that it's appropriate. 4% say it's worth more. This would make it one of the biggest companies in the world. With that out there, yes, I get the fact that people are on it. And yes, I get the fact that people are annoying about being on it. I'm stunned at how many people over the age of 40 have nothing to do other than to tell us it's sunny outside and I feel like flirting, so I'm going to put on a skirt. I am stunned at how many people want to tell me that. Facebook is worth more than Yahoo, eBay. 
Facebook surpassed Yahoo in October as the third most visited website in the world. Those invested in Facebook expect it to be the next Google. Will it or won't it? And also, now that they've already cut, now that they're continuing to draw in money and they're not public, you know, a lot of the sizzle's going out of the company in the private world and not in the public world. Eventually, all fads get cheaper. Copycats start looking alike. While being first, the market certainly makes Facebook a winner. Another faster, stronger company with more something will come along and dilute its value. Facebook raised $1.5 billion in a Goldman Sachs-led deal this month. Companies like Digital Sky Technologies put up $50 million. Goldman Sachs snapped up a billion dollars when they were able to. More than a bubble, Facebook to me is a manifestation of the rational excesses that only the financial markets are capable of. There's another one out there, company um, called Tencent. It's a China-based internet company. Services include online games and instant messaging. It's worth $42 billion. Facebook worth $50 billion. Tencent trades at about 15 times revenue. I'm going to meet with some businesses in the next couple of weeks, and part of my meetings is to decide how much am I willing to pay for you. Will it be one-time revenue, one-and-a-half times revenue, two-times revenue? LinkedIn is taking advantage of this hot, sexy internet market right now, and they're talking about going public. I don't get LinkedIn. I get that it's a nice repository for financial contact information with your friends. I just don't, I don't get it. It's like, to me, like, you're, I don't know, I don't use it effectively. Maybe I just don't need a job. I don't know. Company is revenue of $1.2 billion. Um... Microsoft, uh, Facebook does, up from $777 million last year. So it looks like they reported profit about $355 million in the first three quarters of last year compared to $200 million all of 2009. So there's going to be a lot of IPOs coming out. A lot of people are going to try to take advantage of the halo effect of, hey, I can't own Facebook. Maybe I'll own something that looks like Facebook, that acts like Facebook. See if there's any breaking news in the last couple of minutes that has to absolutely positively be reported. Bank of America is doing well today. Coca-Cola, J.P. Morgan, DuPont, and Merck. Weakness seen in Microsoft, Home Depot, Verizon, AT&T, and Alcoa. Microsoft is the underperforming the tech bellwethers today. Marvel Technologies down 3.5%. They're a semiconductor play. Latisse Semiconductor up 7.6%. Verizon down 1.4%. They announced that they're going to acquire Telemark last night for $19 a share. NVIDIA down 3%. Called a neutral over at Susquehanna. NVIDIA got some love last week. In a Barron's article. Basically implying that. They've got semiconductors that didn't go in notebooks. And pad computers. And tablet computers. Whole new market for them. One analyst basically doubled their stock price on that news. Egyptian President Honzni Mubarak is going to speak shortly on CNBC. Oh, no, no, he's going to speak shortly about what's happening in in Egypt. So we're going to get a little bit of an update there. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Listen to how dry my voice sounds. I need a caller. My voice is dry like the Sahara. Whatever that means. Um, other stories of note. Other stories of newt. Uh, Monster World. What? No, I don't need to do that. So some of these stories just aren't right. So Ford. Let's talk a little Ford. I haven't hit on them today. The old found on road dead. Profit falls 79% on a European loss. Whoa. First and foremost, profit down 79%. That's a big number. Second, you hear about European loss. And I'm going, maybe I'm going to be opportunistic about this. Income dropped to $190 million. Last year in this quarter, they made $886 million. Profit excluding some items was $0.30 cents a share. It trailed the $0.48 cent estimates. This is a pretty darn big miss. Ford's European operations reported a $51 million pre-tax loss. They were expected to have probably a $200 million profit there. 
European sales in December dropped 23%. Other car makers offered rebates to lure buyers. Incredibly competitive fourth quarter, so says the CFO of Ford, Lewis Booth. And he says, we're just not going to chase share. In Europe, we were able to hold the line on pricing. We continue to worry about the margin of the business. We're not going to chase volume. They had an increase in structural costs in the fourth quarter. They don't think it's fully reflected in their estimates. They've redesigned the Focus Ford Focus small car, the Explorer utility vehicle. They've increased manufacturing and engineering and, and advertising costs for both. So more on Ford throughout the year. To me, it, it, it's not that bad of a quarter. To me, the quarter looks worse than it actually was. Sometimes just finding the right words to explain some of this stuff. Qualcomm, I was going to talk Qualcomm. Qualcomm's one of those companies that makes semiconductors and semiconductor chipsets for smartphones. So they're in the right place. Qualcomm CEO Paul Jacobs, he's a doctor. Dr. Jacobs, he's attending the World Economic Forum. He kicked off some things by talking about research. He's saying there's an estimate for a 50% increase in smartphone shipments this year. Now, that's down from 2010's projection of about 70% growth, but it's still 440 million smartphones globally. And smartphones tend to wear out after two, three years. Uh, he talked a little bit about Apple, iPhone, Verizon. He remarked he was happy about it. Talked a little bit about LTE at Verizon. That's a new uh, 3G, 4G kind of technology. He thinks there's plenty of life left in 3G. He talked a little bit about Microsoft's willingness to build the next version of Windows for ARM, uh, designed processors, and how Microsoft showed off a demo of Windows on a Snapdragon processor. This at the Consumer Electronics Show in January. So he says, we got a strong working relationship with, with Microsoft. So Qualcomm's technology licensing group talked a little bit about some of their licensing disputes that are out there and how they're benefiting as a company. They're getting a higher royalty rate this fiscal year versus last year. The chipset division touted the advances of the integrated graphics processing unit in their chips. And uh, basically, they're pretty well positioned. Let's pull up a little bit more information on Qualcomm so I can feel like I'm giving you the freshest take on it. Give me just a second. Ticker symbol for those of you who want to play at home is QCOM. And I understand as an investor, sometimes you don't want to play the obvious choices like an Apple, but you want to play the everyone is on a smartphone play. Qualcomm's trading down today about a point. Ticker symbol QCOM. PE is about 25 times earning, making it pretty expensive. It's got a dividend yield of about 1.5%, telling you that it's a kind of a mature company. It's only trading at 18 times next year's earnings. Qualcomm looks pretty good. 18 times next year's earnings. I'd say it's got a good three to six months of outperformance. Listen to Rob Black and your money. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. When I first set eyes on you First you beat me up, then you kissed me too We throw stones into the sea There were no others there Across the bridge and down the lane I knew I loved you then You said you did the same Oh Maggie, what have you done? I should have seen it coming To your side I'd run Oh Maggie, come to me tonight I will wait up for you Make sure you're alright When I was scared that day, you just pushed me in And when nobody was around You let me kiss you then, there the love I found I said I'd never let you go You just smiled at me, how 
Cause I don't know Oh Maggie What am I to do How can I live With only memories of you Oh Maggie Tell me the truth When your ship was sinking Did you think it through Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 